0: Okay, so at this time, uh, we're blessed to have uh, two messages today. The first one is by Art Williams, and it's entitled, Power, For, and Against. Thank you, Matthew. My message, my split sermon today is going to be a little bit different from normal in that uh, I really have four somewhat separate subjects uh, connected by one thread, which is power or force. Um, the four sections that I'm going to go through are going to be the holy days, followed by spiritual cyber security, followed by a word study of the word force, and followed by a word study kind of in power, most of them being in the book of Revelation. start with, The Holy Days, I feel compelled in this message just to do a review of the purposes and the reasons behind the Holy Day and why they're so important to us. Um, We just finished the first Holy Day of of the season in the last two weeks, that being Passover and unleavened bread. And singularly, the most significant event in human history was God coming down to earth as a man, sacrificing himself for the redemption of mankind, a supreme act in all history of mankind, and most of the people on earth missed it. It's followed by the Day of Unleavened Bread, exemplifying the key ingredient of humility, the humility that we recognize our, as ourselves as being weak Frail, not able to comply with his desires without the power of his Holy Spirit guiding and directing us, changing our heart, changing our mindset, and helping us through that, and recognizing that we have an additional need in a relationship with him. And that is coming up in the next few weeks when we come to Pentecost. When at the time of Pentecost, again, at the first Innovation of it, again, it was a very significant event in the history of mankind, the very essence of God coming into man to help man, to give him the power to overcome his weaknesses. And the key in utilizing his spirit is humility. So we've got the redemption, we've gotten given the humility, and we've been going to be given, we have been given his Holy Spirit. And in another few weeks, we will be celebrating that Holy Day of Pentecost. Looking out into the future, we go to the Holy Days that have not yet been fulfilled. The Day of Trumpets, symbolizing the gathering of the saints and the resurrection and the Battle of Armageddon. Followed by the Atonement. With the Battle of Armageddon, man's rule on earth is extinguished. Many of the people on earth will recognize that and they will repent. And it's the day of atonement. And they will be sorry for their ignorance. And they will be sorry for the deception that they followed in, that was given to them by Satan. Followed by the Feast of Tabernacles that is symbolic of the millennium. And the last great day that, again, symbolizes the end of the millennium. And a, a whole new uh, uh, creation that we have before us. One aspect of the events of the Holy Days is that we will be given power. Power as saints to rule with Christ. Power in this day and age right now to be able to overcome our weaknesses. Power to please God. Power to have the mind of God. Power to have the heart of God. And to see and understand and use these to guide ourselves down the path that Jesus would have us go. These events, singularly and in totality, represent the singular greatest event in the history of mankind. And some have a part in it right now, today. A dynamic, ever-growing and changing developments of events that will culminate in the establishment of the kingdom of God, in the meantime, will help form you into the kind of being that he wants you to be and prepare you for the mission that He has for you during the millennium and beyond. One of the elements of power given to us is the power of prayer. All believers have that power before them. The power to request His intervention in the events that are in our lives. Events that are before us, perhaps causing us distress, or perhaps Helping us to grow. Requesting his intervention. To utilize his Holy Spirit. And to demonstrate his holy power. To rectify. And even to make the situations. More meaningful. And more significant. In 2 Thessalonians one eleven, The scripture says. And I'm reading out of the King James here. Wherefore always. Also, we pray always for you, this is Paul speaking, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all his good pleasures of his goodness and work the work of faith with power. And with that, I want to go on to my next second section. And I want to look at closely an experience that two individuals had that relate to prayer. The two individuals are separated by time and space. They did not know one another or each other. They're not related to one another. But both of them prayed and how the answer came about was completely different and the circumstances that they went through were totally different. They're both ladies they're both women and the situation for both of them was essentially the same they were watching the evening news one evening and in the evening news a story came out about a serial criminal and his crimes were atrocious and they were so moved by it that they wanted him stopped and they looked closely at his picture that was shown on the television, and to that end of wanting to participate in trying to stop him somehow, they prayed that they could intervene somehow to help stop him and see that he got incarcerated and arrested and taken out of society. Both of them went to bed thinking no more about it. In the case of the first lady, the next morning it started like any other morning. She had her breakfast, she did her dishes, did some routine things around the house, and you know how we do in the morning, and we don't have necessarily anything specific to do. But she was spending her time uh, the way she normally would. And at about mid-morning, there was a knock on her front door. She wasn't expecting anyone, but she went and answered it. And there was a man standing before her door, and he said, that I'm homeless and I need a meal. But because she looked so closely at the nightly newscast the day before, she knew who this man was. It was indeed the criminal. She held her cool, and since he was hungry, she invited him in for breakfast. And she cooked him a meal and served him a meal, talked with him, communicated acting out as he was just like anybody else and meanwhile she snuck out into the other room called the cops and told them to come on in the front door was open just come in quietly and so that's what happened the cops came they entered in through the front door snuck up on him and arrested him now she probably didn't really think that that's the way she would intervene in capturing this criminal she probably was thinking more along the line that well I'll see him in the grocery store I'll see him walking down the street or I'll see him as he starts to steal a car or do a crime I don't think she ever in her wildest imagination thought that he would knock on her door and she literally would be the force whereby he was captured The second woman she had very similar situation she was watching the evening news and a story came out about a serial criminal was aired. His crimes, like the first, were atrocious, and they were all against young children, and she wanted him stopped. And to that end, she also prayed that she could do something to intervene to stop him and result in his arrest. They showed his face on TV, and she paid particular attention to it. And she went to bed that night thinking, no more about it. The next morning, she went to her job, and her job was cleaning her church. She was the janitorial function. And she had already done the sanctuary, and she was out in one of the side areas, either the fellowship hall or recreational area. And she heard a car approach. <clears throat> and she looked out a window, and she saw that the car pulled into a parking spot right near the door to the area that she was in. But she was not alarmed to that. There's nothing particularly out of, out of sorts here, but she did not recognize the car. But shortly thereafter, the door opened, and a man walked in, and he pulled a knife and said, I'm going to kill you! And it was the criminal. She positioned herself on the opposite side of furniture between him and her, and she had the course of mind to run around the opposite end of the furniture luring him around the backside and she had access to the open door then and she ran out across the parking lot into the pastor's house. The man seeing that she had such a lead on him and was going in and would probably get help jumped back in his car and sped off. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody came in the room I was in pulled out a knife and said, I'm going to kill you. My mind would be probably somewhat traumatized, and I would run out of there, and I wouldn't pick up and notice to any other things. But when she ran out of the church building, she picked up and noticed something. It was the license plate on the front bumper of his car, to which she then gave to the police. So when they searched it down, they found out he was a military guy that was working and stationed on the local base. They went, they arrested him, and in tracking him down, they found out that his previous locations in the military had done similar crimes in another state, 1,500 miles away. Here's some questions. Why did this perpetrator come to the church to begin with? He didn't know this woman. He didn't know she worked there. He didn't know where she lived. Why did the perpetrator go to the church? He didn't know she was going to be there. I believe the answer lies in a message that I heard some 40 years ago. And the message was focused on that. Satan can't read your mind. Satan can read what you write Satan can hear what you speak. Satan can observe your actions. And from those three, he can devise his strategy to tempt you or derail you. And so what comes to the forefront is spiritual cyber security. One possible difference, and I'm not going to be so authoritarian to say it's the actual absolute, but one possibility For the difference between what happened to the first woman and the second woman is that the second woman verbally stated her prayer. And in verbally stating her prayer, Satan picked it up. And when she said she wanted this guy stopped and she was going to do everything that she could, riled up Satan to direct his agent to come there and kill her. I'll leave you to do the Bible study that shows you that Satan cannot read your mind. So if we verbalize our prayers, and I'm not saying we shouldn't verbalize our prayers, like here in our church, we verbalize our prayers for those that are sick and the needy. And I still verbalize many of my prayers at home. But when I talk about something that is perhaps focused on the dragon, and his power, and his associates. I tend to do that communication as a secure communication mentally. The next section that I want to go into is something that just came to my attention this past week, uh, and it has to do in Daniel eleven thirty eight. And there's a difference between what the New King James says versus the King James. It has to do with this word forces or fortresses. In the New King James, Daniel 11.38 says, but in their place he shall honor a god of fortresses and a god which his fathers did not know he shall honor with gold and silver. That's primarily the part that I'm interested in. Now, I have read this verse to mean that this man creates his own God. You know, we're able to create idols and make a God out of that idol and let it rule us. And I always felt that his God was the military and his military forces until this past week. I read Daniel 11.38 in the King James Bible, and it says, "...but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces." not fortresses. I kinda looked it right over and read the rest of the verse and then looking over in the Hebraic Roots Bible, the literal translation, I found the term forces there also but with a footnote. And the footnote says forces in nature. Most all my life I have assumed that this force and these fortresses are military powers. So I got looking at that further. And in Revelation 13:4, it says, "And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast." So the source of the power of the beast is the dragon. He's not limited to military. And they worship the beast saying, "Who is like the beast, and who is able to make war with him?" With all the power that the United States has, Is there anybody that says, who is able to make war with them? we got the little nation of North Korea over there. You'll be surprised when I send my missiles to you. They aren't scared because they can respond militarily in the same manner. What if the beast doesn't respond with military force? For example, in Revelation 13.13, it says, and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Some thoughts I know that I've had in the past and some others. Well, he probably going to have a great laser mounted up in space orbiting around up there and he'll just call on that and it'll zap down. But you know something? Other nations can shoot down that satellite Continuing in the next verse Revelation 13:14 and he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had been wounded by a sword and did live miracles miracles not military power what kind of miracles Well, we know it says he will cause fire to come down from heaven. But there are forces in nature that he may be able to use. You see, some more of those those power over nature, if you will, are also going to be wielded by the two witnesses. And some of these powers may be tornadoes, they may be hurricanes, they may be earthquakes, they may be hail. Speaking of the two witnesses in Revelation 11, 5 through 6. And if any man hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemy. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Now that's pretty miraculous. I mean, the only, only thing I've ever been aware of that has a fire coming out of their mouth is the, is the comic book creatures called dragons. But these guys are going to do it for real. And they got more power than that. They have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood. Does that ring a bell? Turning the waters to blood? Does that ring a bell? Did that happen previously in the history? And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Some of these these things that are explained here go all the way back when ancient Israel left Israel. Egypt. And it seems by putting those, these scriptures together, the power that's going to be manifested at the end time isn't military. It's going to be power over nature. And it's going to be reminiscent of the things that happened in ancient Egypt. And they are going to be head-turning events. With that, I want to move on to the, the fourth section that I have which is about the woman and the beast. Here again, for myself, I've always thought, or I've been told, that the woman controls the beast, and that's why she's riding the beast. She controls him, she directs him. And because of my history, probably, in management, it kind of filters your mental approach to things. And so I've always thought that, yeah, she's going to be like a king or a queen or a dictator. She's going to be giving orders and so on and so forth. But consider something else. <clears throat> While one riding the beast may control the beast and control it with a, a leash and very definitively and even with spurs. But if it's a family traveling from one place to another, they may place their children or their wife up on the animal. And so the animal bears the burden of carrying those. Now, while going from point A to point B, perhaps... Instead of giving a direct order to change the route, the wife being riding the animal, and she really wishes to see her relatives that are very nearby a town that they're going to be passing by. But she knows her husband doesn't like to go there. So she says, honey, the children are hungry. We need to stop down at the local Sonic down in the next town. It's just off a couple miles and get them some food. It's not very far. So the husband, seeing the need of the children's tummies, says, okay, let's go get some food for the children. And so they go down the road the distance until they see the Sonic and they pull in there and they get their food and they eat their food. And she says, you know, honey, my mom and dad are just down the road here And you know they always give us money to help us out. We could go down there and see them for a while and I'm sure they're going to give you some money to help us with the trip and all. So even though he doesn't like them, he likes the money. So he says, okay, let's go on down through there. So the woman through manipulation, by supplying benefits to those that are looking up to her, becomes important to them. And consider in the scriptures that this woman that rides on the beast, sits on the beast, also sits on many waters, Revelation 17.1. And on seven mountains, Revelation 17.9. I believe this indicates the worldwide influence that the woman has at her disposal. And it extends beyond national borders and extends to people inside of other nations. In Revelation seventeen seven, and the angel said unto me, Wherefore did thou marvel? I tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. Most all the translations that I've looked at uses the word, carries her. But there are other meanings for that word. Strong's number 941. The other meanings are to lift, to bear as a burden, or to take up. If the beast takes up the woman and lifts her onto his back and places the burden on himself Carrying her. Why would he do that? He'd do it because of the worldwide influence that she has that transcends national borders, and he sees that that is going to be a huge benefit to him. But in the end, Revelation 17, 16 through 18, the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So in the end, they turn against her. Why would they turn against her? Because she no longer can fulfill the need. Whatever happens, whether it's through God's actions or what have you, at some point, she's going to no longer be needed. And so their hate for her is going to come out, and they are going to destroy the woman. The woman has the name Babylon written on her. And we know that the Babylon described in Revelation 18 isn't the same Babylon as described in Revelation 17 because the Babylon in Revelation 18 is destroyed by God. Continuing on in Revelation 17, 17, there's some, some other important things that we need to know and be aware of. For God has put in their hearts, that's the hearts of the ten kings, to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So it is with his will that these kings will support her. So anybody that wants to pick up a force of arms and going out and fight against these kings be aware of who you're fighting against. My conclusion, remember the holy days of God, those that have been fulfilled already, those that we memorialize by observing, those that we also memorialize that haven't been fulfilled. And did you ever think about what you want to do in the kingdom of God? When you have a rule in the kingdom of God, have you ever thought about what you want to do and how you want to do it? What great authority or power the great God will give it upon you? And we can even study some things in the Bible, such as back in Isaiah where it says, Woe unto you who build cities with houses wall to wall, while you live in your estate out in the country. God has zoning laws. Not all of them are real clear right now, but I'm sure they will become more clear to us what his will is and how a city should be designed. Remember to practice spiritual cybersecurity in matters relating to Satan and other agents of his. Don't let the dragon know your thoughts, your goals, and your hopes. Not that God can't help you out, it just might be a little less dramatic. Be alert to the events as they unfold. Watch, don't close your mind to a previously identified, selected version of how things might come together. It's easy to do. You latch onto something, it makes sense at the time, especially if you're an older person. The situation that we're in now in our world with the virus going around, it's interesting some of the things that are going on. Some of them are accurate, others are way overdone. We may never go back to the same society that we once had. Some of these things that are going to change may stay permanent in our society. Politicians seeing an opportunity to lump in opportunities for money for their pet projects and even uh, foundations that are not even essential to the government, which is the people of the nation, running monies to their pet places and hiding it in these monies that are needed to help out in the crisis. The crisis will bring about some valid concerns, attitudes, and fears and personal Uh, actions others may very well be invalid and behind it will be power grabbing wealth grabbing and forces come together and that will perhaps place us on the continuing ever shortening path wherein we we, we will approach the events described in the book of Revelation.